0: Well, I think we're doing pretty good with that one. You know, that's uh, that's great. I oh, praise the Lord. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? So, well, let's ask the Lord to help again tonight before we turn to the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the precious word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit given to us to help us understand it. And I pray, Father, for your help now to be faithful and true to your word and explain and apply things to our lives today in his power and help. And I pray that you'd really touch our hearts, Lord, and help us to see the day we're living in. And, Lord, prepare and adjust our hearts according to your will of rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Tonight I want to speak to you not just from one passage of scripture I want to speak to you from many passages of scripture so please have a Bible if you uh, or sit with someone who knows their way around the Bible and we're going to look at the subject of technology in the last days alright so it's going to be a bit visual so if you're not in a good place where you can't really see the screen Now's the time to move, so you can do, all right, because there's going to be lots of visual things uh, that you'll want to see. But I'd like us to start off, actually, in the book of Genesis. Now, this may seem a strange place to go when we're talking about the future, but you'll see why in a minute. Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4 in the Old Testament and verse 16. (coughs) And please excuse me. Genesis chapter 4 Adam and Eve have been cast out of the garden of Eden and uh, Cain has murdered his brother Abel and now we read this in verse 16 then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden now none of you do that all right no one going off to the land of Nod tonight I know it's a bit warm in here stay awake and Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Mahujael, and Mahujael begot Methushael, and Methushael begot Lamech. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock his brother's name was Jubal he was the father of those who play the harp and flute and as for Zillah she also bore Tubal Cain an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron and the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. The wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And then I'd like you to turn with me into the New Testament, please, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And verse 26, where the Lord Jesus is speaking uh, prophetically, speaking about the last days. And he makes this amazing statement. He says in verse 26, Luke 17, And as it was in the days of Noah so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Please keep your Bibles open now. One of my favorite Bible stories in the Scriptures is the story of Noah and the building of the ark i love the story and it's a true story when i say the word story i just mean the fact that it's a written record in the bible we don't mean it's a, a fable we, we believe it literally as it is said and if you've got questions about noah's ark how he got all the animals in the ark and things like that those are easy to explain come and speak to me afterwards i'd love to try and answer your questions but i'm not going to do that tonight but uh The days of Noah, the Lord Jesus Christ said here in this verse that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. And what he meant by that was the days before his second coming will be like the days of Noah, like the days before the flood. Now, Noah lived uh, a long time before the flood. Anybody know how old Noah was when he built the ark? 500. Thank you, Paul. So he lived 500 years old. Again, I'll explain that to you. That's not difficult to explain how that was. I'll do that later. But he lived a long time before the ark was built. So the days of Noah stretched back 500 years before the ark. It wasn't just the few days before he went in the ark. It was many hundreds of years. And it stretches all the way back, actually, to the days we read about in Genesis 4 there with the descendants of Cain. And uh, one of the things is, as we look at the days of Noah in Scripture, we see they were days marked by three things. They were days marked by sin. Jesus says in the next verse, they ate and they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. They were living hedonistic lives, uh, lives that were based on, on manly pleasure rather than living for God. There's nothing wrong with food and drink and marriage. Those are things that God made. But when you live hedonistically without reference to God, that is wrong. But even more so, when we look back in the book of Genesis, we see more of the evil that there was Uh, in the days before the flood which was the sin which god judged the world for we'll be talking about that perhaps a little bit as we go on and uh, it was very significant what was happening in the darkness of those days it was a days of sin but praise god it was days of salvation too because although it was only a very very small number eight people were saved in the ark now that's small compared to the population of the world but praise god for eight people being saved Jesus said, if one person repents, there's rejoicing in heaven. So eight people being saved in the ark uh, is something. And, uh, of course, Enoch was raptured before the flood. And uh, that was, uh, would be counted as a rescue as well in Genesis 5.24. But the point I want to see tonight is that they were also days of sophistication. Because as we read in the book of Genesis, the development of mankind happened in those years and uh, we saw very quickly how man soon became to build cities and then after that to start developing uh, farming and to start developing musical instruments now that's interesting when you've got time to play an instrument that's a time that says that we've got things under control When you've got uh, spare time to then start developing luxury goods, that's a sign of how advanced you've become. They were also days when metal work was being developed. And and one of the sons of of Cain, or descendants of Cain, called Tubal Cain, he was the developer of those who worked in various metals. And uh, this is what it was like before the flood they were days of really rapid development of technology and growth and it just kept going and going and going all the way up to the day that noah went into the ark and you've got to think about it the size of the ark that god made noah told noah to build 300 cubits long uh, 50 cubits wide 50 cubits high 30 cubits wide it was a very big big boat or a ship, vessel, and uh, so Noah had to have very serious building skills and tools and equipment to be able to cut down that number of logs, uh, shape them, build them, mold it, uh, cover it with pitch and so on. You'd build an ark like that in a cradle so you uh, you could coat it with pitch underneath. This was an amazing piece of architecture and work so what they did then was nothing nothing primitive all the ideas you've got of like knuckles dragging along the ground of early man uh, put those out of your mind we're talking about probably the same generation of people who built the pyramids all right and they were not built by dummies as you know They're built by people who had incredible skills. And so the days before the ark were days when the world was moving very fast in technological development. But then here's an interesting thing. Then the flood came, and when Noah came out the ark, he was back to square one. He was back to where Adam was when he came out of the Garden of Eden. He knew how to farm, he lived in a tent, and all he had... Was his own knowledge. Let me put it to you like this so you can grasp it. Okay, today you came here and you probably checked on your phone. I hope you did before you came in. I've turned my phone off on silent. Uh, you, you came in, and you thought, oh, I glad it's warm in here. We've got the central heating on. Uh, We've got the lights. That's good. We know there's people watching on Zoom. I want you to imagine, all right, there's a nuclear bomb, nuclear fallout, and we all have to go into a shelter. When we come out, what are we going to be facing? We're going to be coming out like cavemen. We're not going to have mobile phones. We're not going to have all that technology. We're going to be back then to what knowledge we have and what we can do in our bare hands. That's how it was when Noah came out of the ark. And so before the ark, things were progressing massively, but then a major event happened, and then afterwards they were set back for many years, and it took time then again to develop. Well, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days of the Son of Man. There is going to be massive technological development in the last days. And that's part of what I want to share with you tonight. How technology is developing and how that is fulfilling Bible prophecy. But there is going to come an event which is going to set people back. So much so that when we read about the last battle in the Bible, it's fought by men on horses with swords. So it's quite an interesting story we've got to share tonight. And may God help us too. Okay, so I want us to see these two things. How technology is helping to fulfill Bible prophecy, the world is going forward. And secondly, how technology will be downgraded. And uh, then I want to apply that. And my point in showing this is not just to make you curious. What I want to do is to make you aware that the Bible is a prophetic book. And is speaking into our world today and is is up to date. Someone said the Bible is is not up to date, is ahead of time. And it really is. It's it's been ahead of time and man is still catching up with the Bible. But I want you to see as well as an application here for all of us. We need to be ready for the last days through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, I'm unashamed to tell you it's my heart's desire to bring you to a place tonight where you say i want to become a christian and i want to put my trust in the lord jesus because i want you to be saved i want you to go to heaven with us all right it's not because i'm out to get you or anything like that i'm trying to encourage you to put your trust in christ if you've never done so so that's the the sermon uh in a nutshell tonight So I want to start off then on this point, how technology is helping to fulfill Bible prophecy. I want to ask you a question at the beginning, okay? I want to introduce you to a man, okay? He says, before I was born, man had not landed on the moon. There was no internet, all right? The only thing they had online was the washing, okay? There were no mobile phones. There was no... Fast food. Fast food was what you ate during Lent. Okay. How old am I? How old am I? Fifty six years old. Man landed on the moon in nineteen sixty nine. Alright? Fifty six years old. So that's been been safe. So it's not very long, is it? How quickly the world has changed. And that's the point uh, of, of part of what I'm trying to say. Uh, the, the Bible prophesies in the last days there will be, like in the days of Noah, the days before the flood, in the last days there will be a rush of technological development. And this is what we're starting to see in a big way. One of the famous scientists of the day is Professor Mikhail Kaku, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he said this. He said, we have unlocked the secrets of matter. We have unraveled the molecule of life, DNA. And we have created a form of artificial intelligence. We are making the historic transition from the age of scientific discovery to the age of scientific mastery. In which we will be able to manipulate and mould nature almost to our wishes. That's the day and age we've come to. It's a staggering step forward of progress in a short period of time. And this is where we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Let's have a look at some scriptures and we'll see how prophecy is being fulfilled with the, development of prof- with the development of technology. First of all, I'd like to turn to the book of Daniel in chapter 12 uh, and verse 4. Daniel chapter 12. Now, Daniel is a prophetic book and it's a, a book that says a lot about many different eras of history, but especially about the last times. And Daniel in this last chapter is is wrapping up his book with his final words of prophecy he's receiving from the Lord, and he's told this in verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, what he's being told here is, Daniel, I want you to close up your book now because this book will not be fully understood until the time of the end that 's what he 's saying. Uh, you know people will be able to understand a certain amount of it, but most of it will not be understood until the age in which it 's going to be fulfilled. So shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end and then he's given two signs as to when that time will be he says many will run to and fro and knowledge shall increase and that is the increase of both travel and knowledge now here's an interesting thing for you isn't it that until the last century the rate of travel was as fast and as far as a man or a horse or most, uh, a locomotive could carry a person. You know, for most of the centuries of history, the speed of travel and the distance you've been able to travel has depended on how good you've got your legs or how good your horse is. That's been the range you've been able to travel and how fast. But today, we have leaped massively in our travel. I mean, how many of us came here today in a car? You know, how many of us came quite a distance here today uh, by a car? How many of us today uh, are in possession of uh, a ticket to travel somewhere far uh, outside of the area, perhaps catch a train somewhere or catch a plane? You know, we are seeing travel more than ever before. Thanks to technology, aren't we? We're seeing people go on holiday on planes. We're seeing uh, uh, people uh, travel by trains up and down the country. You know, travel is massive. But as we get into the last days, this running to and fro is going to increase more than ever we imagined. You know, uh, we thought Concorde was pretty good when we were growing up. That was a, a supersonic plane. Now we have hypersonic planes, And there's a hypersonic plane on the table which will soon get you to New York in two hours. I think I'm right in saying it travels at the speed of Mach 3, Mach 3.5 or something. And uh, Concorde traveled at the speed of Mach 2. But that's nothing compared to military jets. We now have scramjets that travel 7,000 miles an hour. That's Mach 9.4, and there's one on the table that works for 13,000 miles an hour. You think how far you can travel. In fact, I read one thing in the newspaper recently about how the SAS are working with Richard Branson to work out if they can have some low-orbit space station, which will enable them to get up to there and then down to any point on the Earth in one hour. So, you have a, a situation for the SAS to travel from their base in Hereford to get to the Middle East, all it could be a takeoff straight up to their space station and then straight down again. One hour anywhere in the world. It's a phenomenal thought, isn't it? You know, we can travel to the moon. That's a phenomenal thought. And uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Mr. Musk was hoping his SpaceX program was going to take another a step forward. It didn't go quite as far forward as he hoped it to. But he's, he's planning long distances by travel like this. And even on a local level, we're going to see travel change. You know, I heard on the news just recently that um, Amazon are planning on delivering a lot of their deliveries this Christmas by drones. That's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Can you imagine, you know, the answer the door, and there's a drone there <laughs> dropping off your, you know, your bone china or something, and drop it on the floor. It's going to be fascinating. In fact, parking in Union Chapel is going to be even harder when we have to find airspace because Airbus are working on a flying car called the Up. And uh, that's that's reckoned to be here by next year. We're not talking miles and miles away in the distant future. We're talking in the near future. What the Bible said is happening, and you think about it for hundreds and even thousands of years. For at least and ever two thousand years after Daniel, that was inconceivable that anybody should run to and fro like that. And in the Hebrew, the word is not just for the speed, it's for range. It it means the distance. Uh, It's the same word that's used in 2 Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And that's what we're seeing happen. The Bible prophesied it. But what about knowledge as well? Or do I need to say anything? You know, up until um, the last century... Uh, man's knowledge was doubling every 1,500 years. Now we have the internet and it's immeasurable. Thousands of uploads take place on the internet every single day. And a doctor working in, in America can put things on a website that will help another doctor in Nepal or in, in, in Australia and they're all accessing it at the same time, and they're adding their knowledge, knowledge is exploding. We've never had it like this before. Knowledge is increasing. Now, somebody's going to say, ah, yeah, John, but what Daniel's especially thinking of is spiritual knowledge. Well, I hear what you're saying, but be careful. The idea that separates the world into spiritual and secular is not a Hebrew idea, it's a Greek idea. The Bible, Hebrew idea is that the world belongs to God, the whole world. And spiritual and secular all go together with God because it's all his world. And actually, the two do go together because even as we grow in our natural knowledge, we grow in our Bible knowledge, don't we? As we're going to see, as we see uh, things happening in the world, it helps us understand the Bible, how Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. And let's be honest with you. How many people today had to travel to come to church We run to and fro to go to church. We travel to and fro to go to Bible conferences. We are able to tap into Bible conferences on Zoom links. We're able to benefit from YouTube videos of good preachers so that we can substitute our Bible teaching that we get at Union Chapel. (laughs) And, you know, we're able to grow thanks thanks to the Internet. I praise God for good Bible teaching on the Internet. There's a lot of bad stuff, too. And that's also a fulfillment of prophecies. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that in the last days they'll heap up for themselves false teachers. You can certainly see that with the internet, can't you? But uh, there's good stuff too. Praise God for it. And for some people, it's a lifeline. So technology, as we see here, is helping to fulfill Bible prophecy. Let's see another prophecy that's being fulfilled along this way. And if I can get my computer to work, we'll go to Revelation 13. Revelation 13. And the last verses here, I'm just cherry picking a few things here. I could point to lots of other items, but uh, I'm going for some big hits. But Revelation 13, verse 16 to 17, or I could do 16 to 18. Something called the Mark of the Beast. And in Revelation 13, it talks about the coming of the last world dictator who's, going to be called, who's called in the Bible the beast or the Antichrist. And he's uh, like a Caesar in the last days and he's going to be Antichrist, literally. He's also going to be anti instead of Christ and he's going to set up the world for his worship of himself. And he's going to have a, a man help him do that called the false prophet. And this is what it says in verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man His number is 666. Now, the mark of the beast is going to be a loyalty mark to the Antichrist. I want to emphasize that. And I want to say that it is not here now. Alright? It's not here now. So I'm not trying to scare you by telling you it's here now. But it's coming. And the Antichrist is coming, and he's going to make, uh, uh, make people make a decision. Are you for me, or are you not? And there's going to be a, a choice that you have to make. And if you say no, you will be executed. It's really Hobson's choice, isn't it? Uh, or if you try to avoid the question you won't be able to buy or sell because you will need a mark on either your right hand or your forehead to be able to go to the shop. Just as you can't buy anything in the shop today without money or without a credit card, uh, you won't be able to buy anything without this mark. And this mark... Uh, is connected with the number of the beast, which is 666. That's quite easy to explain. It's not a difficult thing, but it does say there is wisdom needed. Six is the number of man in the Bible. Remember, man was made on the sixth day of creation. So six is the number of man. When you put things three times, like holy, 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 it's to do with God and deified. And what this is saying, this is saying this man is God. That, in a nutshell, is what the 666 is. And it's saying the Antichrist is God. If you're going to say Antichrist is God and I'm going to worship Antichrist, you'll be accepted as far as him. But you will need his mark to be able to buy or sell. Well, the mark is going to be in the hand. Now, here's an interesting thing Amazon is working on that's going to come out soon. And that's payment by Palm Reader. Now, a palm reader is not um, occultic palm reading. It's having, and No, you won't need a credit card, you won't need a switch card uh, uh, or a bank card to go to the shop. You will just put your palm over the reader. It'll read your palm print, and uh, as you do so, it'll uh, deduct the amount of your shopping from your bill, from your bank account. And that's how that will work. You can see how the world is starting to think in this terms, can't you? There's also something that's interesting, which is called a digital tattoo. And this is a tattoo which is wearable electronics. Now, isn't it interesting? In our day and age, tattoos have become so popular even girls love tattoos. I mean, I, that to me was was like uh, tattoos were like big bikers and truck drivers and, uh, and maybe some soldiers had tattoos when we were growing up. But today, everybody wants tattoos and the girls want them as well. It's a way the world is moving towards this. And uh, a wearable tattoo. Uh, it's, it's got electronics and, again, it'll act uh, as... Uh, a digital credit card or whatever uh, you want to use it for, whatever you want to program into it. So technology here helps us to see how these things in prophecy can be fulfilled. I, I don't want to scare you, but I want you to think about this. Some of you are sitting on the fence about whether you're turning to Jesus Christ or not. You're saying, I don't know if I want to be a Christian or not. I I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to live the Christian life. And I'm not really sure whether I'm in or out. Well, I want to tell you, the day is coming soon where God is going to electrify the fence. And you've got to come down, Jesus or not Jesus. Make your mind up. That's coming. And the mark of the beast is going. How much better would it be to choose Christ now? How much better to choose him tonight and be ready for the coming of the Lord. So if you haven't done, turn to him. Let's see another prophecy, Revelation chapter 11. Just go back uh, a page or two to Revelation chapter 11, verses 8 to 9. And in this prophecy, we have uh, the death of two witnesses, as they're called. Not Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, The word witness means somebody who's speaking out for Jesus. And it comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from that false group. Uh, but in this passage, it's speaking about two particular individuals in, in the last days who will be in Jerusalem. And they're going to be killed by the Antichrist. And it says in verse 8, And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which, is spiritu- which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. So everybody in the world in the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations are going to see these people when they've been killed. Now how would that ever have been fulfilled with that before the last ten years? You know, the most you could have said it would have been a news report. But now with our mobile phones and our Internet coverage, you can see things happening live. And again, I see this as being uh, prophetic, really, of the technology as well that we see in our day today, anticipating it to come. Global viewing. And it's something that we're going to see more and more of. Let's see, another prophecy, and this one's a bit more serious, I think. But Isaiah chapter 13. Now, I don't profess to understand everything in this passage here, but there's some things I do understand and I take very seriously. In Isaiah chapter 13 and verse 9, We have a prophecy that's to do with Babylon, and and what happens with the Old Testament prophecies is often they speak on two levels at once. They speak on a local level, an immediate level, and something in the future as well. We see that very often with the prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus at his uh, first advent, and there's illustrations of that in Matthew's Gospel. Well, it's true also for the things of his second coming. In Isaiah chapter 13, uh, uh, he's been talking about God's judgment on Babylon. And then in verse 9, he speaks to a global judgment, which is in the last days. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord, I believe, is the last period before Jesus comes back. I believe it's a seven-year period. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Cruel. "...with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he, that's God, will destroy its sinners from it." It's going to be a time of big trouble, big judgment that's going to come on the world. And this is what the Lord Jesus warned about in Matthew 24 when he said that uh, in the last days there will be great tribulation. Uh, And then in verse 10 it says, "...for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light." The sun will be darkened in its going forth and the moon will not cause its light to shine. That's a part of what we see happening in the book of Revelation in the last days. Uh, God turns out the sun, the moon, the stars at different times. And then verse 11, God says, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. So like the days before the flood, God punished the world because of its wickedness. God is going to punish the world because of its wickedness in the last days as well. Colossians 3 tells us the same thing. It lists a lot of sins and it says because of these things the wrath of God is coming. And then he says this in verse 11. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now listen to this verse. I will make a mortal man... More rare than fine gold, a man more than the gold wedge of offer. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, verse 12, there, the Lord says in those days, a mortal man and a normal man are going to be a rarity in the earth that is a staggering thing but that's what it was like in the days before the flood you read back in Genesis chapter 6 we read that one of the things that happened was the angels uh, came down and had interrelations with women and a breed of people were born on the earth called the Nephilim and they were human angelic hybrids I believe that's actually what's behind a lot of ancient mythology about gods in the world and so on. The, the Greek gods and things like that. I believe it was actually rooted in, uh, in the Nephilim. And Noah stood out. Noah was perfect in all his generations, it says in the Bible. And that doesn't mean Noah didn't sin, because Noah did sin. He needed a saviour. But Noah was not corrupted like the rest of the world. Now, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days of the Son of Man. And this verse here tells us something about the corruption of the human race. Uh, There's a verse in Joel 2 that also says something which is a little bit disturbing. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. It'll take a, a moment. Joel 2 verses 1 and 2. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. Again, the tribulation, the time of judgment. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of of clouds and thick darkness like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. Now, I know your NIV waters that down a little bit, but he says there, people will come who the like of which have never been. And we are moving towards something called Humans Plus. It's also known as transhumanism. And it's the development of humans by using technology to make us more powerful and more like superheroes in films. In fact, some of you may be aware of the Marvel superheroes and uh, things like this. And a lot of these uh, superheroes are scientists who have, have either had some experiment done to them to increase their strength or something like that. Well, all that was based... all that, Although that's science fiction... It is a, is a little bit of fact in there because it was rooted back in something that started in World War II with the development of super soldiers, trying to make super soldiers by doing things genetically to them. And this is, where we're ha- this is what is happening in the world today and uh, we are moving rapidly now towards this coming to pass. Here's some newspaper uh, cuttings from a few years ago. Uh, Technology will turn humans into godlike cyborgs. Human beings will be like gods, quote-unquote, cyborgs. So you'll be partly electric with mechanics, partly with uh, genetic engineering, mixing in other animal things into you and it will make you into a super person and this is part of the goal to make super soldiers there's a group in america called the jasons who work for the government and uh, part of their goal is to make super soldiers imagine if you could take the hearing of a dog a dog can hear things you and i can't hear and give that to a human being Imagine a soldier on the battlefield that could hear like a dog, could pick up the sound of an enemy a long way away. Imagine if he had the sight of an eagle. Imagine if he had the speed of a cheetah. Imagine if he had the tenacity of an ox. So he was able to keep going and not need sleep. Keep going. You would have a super soldier who would be petrifyingly frightening and strong. That's what they're trying to build. And they're hoping as well on the way to also make us so that we have less need for things like the NHS, which would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? But let's be honest, what are they doing with us? Uh, Here's another one. Christians join with atheists in transhumanism. Now, part of the reason I'm speaking about this is a lot of Christians are clueless And they think, oh, yeah, yeah, what a good idea. And they don't know what the Bible prophecy says uh, about the last days. But the Christian Transhumanist Association talks of giving humans, and I'm quoting now, extra power, enhancing us so much that they may take us beyond being merely human. That's supposed to be a Christian group, according to the British Church newspaper and Christians getting milled up in this, is another newspaper cutting. Cyborg era of evolution is on the way, says an astronomer predicts. And Lord Rees, who took a, uh, one of the uh, uh, lectures, I think it was for the Royal Society, uh, a few years ago, talked about how the, f- the next stage of evolution, evolution hasn't finished in their minds. The next stage of evolution is to develop people who are more than men, humans plus, as they call it, and uh, uh, again, this uh, New Scientist magazine, give animal human chimeras a chance, a, human, a chimera is where you have something like you see in fantasy books, which is half horse, half man, said, so give it a chance, mix animals and humans together, see what you come up with, that's what they're saying, You might be surprised at what comes out. One man who's a leading person in this is Yuval Noah Harari, a professor at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he said this in an interview. He said, what we have seen in the last few centuries is humans becoming more powerful and they no longer need the crutches of the gods. Small g, he said. Now we are saying... We do not need God, just technology. What a statement, and from a Jew. Now we're saying we don't need God, just technology. The most interesting place in the world from a religious perspective is not the Middle East, it's Silicon Valley, where they are developing a techno-religion. They believe even death is just a technological problem To be solved. In other words, it won't be long till we're able to solve the riddle of death. And what does it say here? God says, I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold. The gold wedge of offer was very rare gold in Bible times. So we see technology and that's fulfilling Bible prophecy just like it said all those years ago. And by the way, that was what brought the flood. That's why the tribulation is coming in the last days. When you read the book of Revelation, you think, oh, this is very severe. What God's going to do in the last days. Listen, it's going to be a severely wicked, evil world in the last days. That's why the judgment is coming. Let's see one more prophecy. This is a good one. All right. Matthew 24, verse 14, and the spread of the gospel. Matthew chapter 24. Of course, Matthew 24 is full of prophecy. And uh, full of the signs of the times. I was told in the vestry there was an earthquake in Cornwall today. Jesus said that there would be earthquakes in divers places before his coming. Now, that's signs of the times being fulfilled. But here's a, here's a lovely one. In Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. In all the world, as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, here's a prophecy that Jesus says that the gospel and the message of the kingdom, which is the gospel being presented, especially with the aspect of his second coming, coming back, that's the gospel of his kingdom, I believe, is going to be preached in all the world. Now, the Lord Jesus sent out his disciples uh, at the end of the gospel, and uh, they did go in all the world. In fact, Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul said, All over the world the gospel is producing fruit and growing just as it did among you. And uh, in their days, the Roman world was evangelized, and the disciples went in all corners. But Jesus is saying it's going to go to all the world as a witness to them in the last days. And then the end will come. And technology is helping fulfill that very issue. You know, one of the things I've got at home, and I haven't been able to put them all on the computer, but it is one missionary magazine after another where they're showing how technology is helping them to do their work. I've got a missionary magazine from FIBA Radio. FIBA was a, is a broadcasting radio in the Seychelles where they broadcast over the radio. And they're talking about the tools they're able to use. Trans World Radio, uh, some of you know about their work and how they're now going on the internet and things like this. Elam Ministries, which helps the church in Iran. And they're using uh, mobile phone, especially Telegram. Some of you know about Telegram. It's the new thing like Facebook, WhatsApp, and that sort of thing. And it's, it's harder to detect. So they're able to pastor through this to get to the Christians who are in the churches, or underground churches, as it were, in Iran. Here's one I got from Math Magazine, where uh, the people are flying into places like Papua New Guinea, and they're they're going to tribes that don't have a Bible, but they know the dialect. So what they're doing is they're recording messages on these little, little recorders so that people can hear them and take it and listen to it. And by these means... And all other technology means the gospel is going into all the world. And I want to say this is really good news. Because here in the West, the church is in decline. But we don't have to be in retreat. If we pray for the technological skills to be raised up in the church, we can still reach the world through the internet as long as it's there. And that's an exciting prospect, isn't it? All over the world, this gospel will produce fruit and grow uh, before Jesus comes back and and be spread. So that's, again, technology helping to fulfill Bible prophecy. There's other things we could have looked at, but I think you've got the idea uh, by now. But let's talk now about the second part. As we see technology advancing, the time is coming when we're going to see technology downgraded like it was after the flood. Now, Just come with me to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and we're going to go to Revelation chapter 19. We're going to see the battle of Armageddon when the Lord Jesus comes back. Revelation chapter 19. verse 11 now i saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war this is the lord jesus coming back and in verses 11 through to 16 we have a description of him in his glory riding on his white horse out of heaven uh, with his sword coming out of his mouth to make battle against his enemies and then in verse 17 it said then i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried out cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven come and gather together for the supper of the great god that you may eat the flesh of kings The flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army, against the Lord Jesus and those who come with him from heaven. Then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So in this prophecy here, an angel is sent to call to all the the birds, namely all the vultures. Come down because there's going to be plenty for you to eat at the battlefield of Megiddo. And uh, you're going to have the flesh of kings and mighty men and horses and so on to eat. But he he points out there in verse uh, 18 that this is how they come to the battle, on horses. And they come with with manual weapons like swords. So what on earth has happened? You wouldn't go into battle like that today. Think about the wars that are taking place in Ukraine and places like that. They're firing missiles over great distance. They're using cyber warfare. That's another thing I could have talked about with wars and rumors of war. Cyber warfare is a a big thing happening in our day. You wouldn't go in with a, a horse and a sword. So why is the Bible talking like that? Some people think, well, John didn't know about tanks and things like that, so he just wrote in the language of his day. That might be so, but I think there's another explanation. If you just come back to chapter 16 in Revelation, Revelation 16, if you look in verse 12, It says, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And he's talking about the kings from the east, could be China and these other countries to the east. And China's rising up again, isn't it? But uh, coming to join the battle of Armageddon, but they need the river Euphrates drying up. Now that makes no sense today. Today we have helicopters, planes, could get over the river Euphrates, no problems at all. Why do you need to dry it up? The reason is they're coming on foot. They're coming on horseback to this battle. And how is it that this is happening? The clue is in verse 8 of this chapter. One of the last judgments of that period is this, and this is right towards the end of the seven-year period. It says this, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given him to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat and they blasphemed the name of god who has the power has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory god is going to pour one of his last judgments out on the sun now or use the sun for one of his last judgments. Now you say, well, what's so significant about that? Well, the sun is not just our source of light. The sun also creates magnetic energy. And one of the things we've discovered, especially in the last 150 years, is something called electromagnetic pulses that come from the sun. And the sun often shoots out what's called a solar flare, and it affects... Our technology. Uh, in fact newspapers have been reporting on this for a long time sunspot blast could hit power on the earth. In 18 I think it was in 1879 there was something you can look up on YouTube when you get home called the Carrington event and it was when all the telegraph, the, the old fashioned telegraph wouldn't work anymore after there were amazing lights in the sky like the, uh, the northern lights, the aurora borealis. And it was uh, the result of a solar flare and it knocked out the electrics. Now today we have weaponry that can do that, EMP bombs, and we can do that on a localized level. But what God is going to do in the last days, he's going to cause this to happen on a massive level. A few years ago there was one and it knocked out the power in Quebec recently. I've got a newspaper cutting here, I didn't get to put on uh, the computer in time, but this is from this year in March and it says two colossal holes have opened up which are 30 times larger than earth and have ripped through the sun in the space of a week. The latest coronal hole is unleashing 1.8 million miles per hour solar winds. Scientists are monitoring to see if they will affect the Earth's magnetic field, satellites and other global technology. That's what they're worried about. It'll hit our GPS, it'll stop our phones working, it'll stop your car working. You go out, you'll notice it's very quiet because there's no cars you'll notice it's very dark there's no lights you think i'll phone up my friend and find out what's going on you find there's no reception your phone doesn't work and you think oh well it'll come back on soon but it never will ever again that's what happens with an electromagnetic pulse and that's what god is going to do to the earth at the end of the tribulation and all the All the build-up of technology which the devil and the Antichrist has been relying on, looking forward to using for the last days and the great push to try and destroy the Jews and to try and uh, and, and face off with Jesus Christ. All the robots, the devil's going to need to build his army and that's why we're seeing a fascination with robots and so on. The devil needs an army and all these things. All this is going to be stopped by the mighty power of God just saying to the sun, just a bit hotter, please. And boom, out goes a magnetic pulse and everything comes down to old-fashioned weapons. And uh, this is not fantasy. Even today, they've learned that actually horses and mules are still needed on the battlefield in many situations in in the Middle East. So that's what's going to happen in the last days. And man will be at his weakest to face his greatest moment when he's pitched himself against God. And he doesn't have his human-made God of technology to rely on. You know, God always makes the false gods fall before he reveals his glory. Do you remember Mount Carmel? And Elijah made the prophets of Baal go first. And for hours they prayed and prayed for Baal to send down the fire from heaven and they couldn't do it. The false gods always have to fall first. Man and his science has become a false god that he's trusting in. But it's going to fall on its face like Dagon before the Ark of the Covenant. And it's going to have its hands broken like Dagon. It's going to be useless And then the Lord of glory will appear and everyone will have to stand before him. And that brings me to the point I want to ask you today. When the Lord Jesus comes, will you be ready for that time? Do you know Christ as your saviour and Lord? We're moving towards the last days. Technology is one of the ways we see that this is happening like it's never happened before. People often say earthquakes. Oh, there's always been earthquakes. Oh, there's always been war. There's never been technology like we've had today. We are in a different age to what we've ever been in before. The Lord is coming, so you need to be saved. You know, in the early days of computer, I know some of you will laugh at this now because we have auto-save on computer, but in the early days on computer, you used to have to remember to hit that magic button when you did work on the old-fashioned computer. Save your work, save it, save it on a floppy. (laughs) You know what? My wife used to work for a stationery company And if you ask her for the codes for manila envelopes, she's still got them upstairs in her brain. And she can remember all those codes for the different things. Because they used to have to place their orders for all these companies on an old-fashioned computer at the end of the day and send it off to, to be shipped in, ready for the next day's delivery. And one night, her boss was working hard, putting in these last orders and punching them up on the computer. And his little boy was in the office. And you know what happened? little Joel went under the table and pulled out the plug and all those orders for the day were lost you know why it was lost because it wasn't saved now that's what I want to ask you when Jesus comes will you be lost or will you be saved are you saved now You need to be saved now by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, so you're ready for his coming. I know it might make you feel uncomfortable, I'm sorry about that, but sometimes we need a wake-up call to be ready for the things of God. And I pray that you will turn to him if you've not yet done so tonight. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved.